everyone and welcome to a very special breaking news version of the Top Gear magazine podcast. Check us out, Ron. Yeah, we are on the front line of the latest automotive news. Well, we're also in a car park at Red Bull's Advanced Technology Centre in salubrious Milton Keynes because we've just had some very exciting news delivered to us. What was that, Jack? Yeah, so we were invited to a press conference down here. Didn't have any idea of what was going to be announced, but we do now know Red Bull are doing their own hypercar. They're going to do it in-house. It's called the RB17. And get this, it's got 1,100 horsepower twin turbo V8. It's going to cost 5 million quid. Um, yeah, super lightweight. It's uh, Adrian Newey's vision of what a track only hypercar could be in terms of extreme performance but of course Ron, he is the same man that designed the Aston Martin Valkyrie as well yeah he did say exactly those things for the Aston Martin Valkyrie but he's now said this is significantly faster than the, both that and the AMR Pro. Yeah, so fair to say we've got quite a lot of questions, but fortunately we had some one-on-one -on -one time with both uh, Christian Horner and with Adrian Newey. So should we, without further ado, crack on with the interviews? Let's do it. Okay, so Christian Horner, team principal, Red Bull F1 team, but CEO of uh, Red Bull Advanced Technologies as well. Welcome to the Top Gear Magazine Thank podcast. You. Thank you for having us. Flippin' hell, you've just announced out there the first ever Red Bull um, production car, and it is an 1100 horsepower hypercar that's sort of chasing an F1 car in terms of lap time performance. You could, yeah, you could have started with like a Fiat 500 rival, a little small city runabout, you know, straight off into the deep end. You don't mess about, do you? No, we don't. And and look, it's such an exciting project for everybody in the business. I mean, Adrian, uh, after having been involved, obviously, after we did the design for the Valkyrie, uh, it really whetted the, the app, his appetite, the company's appetite to say, right, you know, let's do our own vehicle. Let's take this to another level. And uh, it's sort of Adrian Unleashed, um, which is a fairly scary prospect <laughs> because, you know, he's got more than four decades with the Formula One knowledge. And mm. when you think of blown diffusers, double diffusers, you know, all of the things that he's he's bought in, um, it's going to be an absolutely epic car. So, uh, you know, as a track-only car, um, you're going to be able to experience uh you know formula one type performance i mean you can even take your wife with you and she can experience it in the passenger seat as yeah, well yeah but uh it's it's a really really exciting and cool project and and just there you mentioned it's track only obviously that means there are no limitations you can really just yeah. go for, go for this performance envelope um is that are there plans for a road legal version down the line um is that something you're it's not, not something that we're looking at doing. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we're going to build these track-only cars, 50 of them. What the owners choose to do with them is obviously then, then down to them, but they will be built and designed to give the ultimate experience and safe experience, you know, on track. So it's not going to be a massively hardcore, difficult drive. You know, if I jumped into a Formula One car, I wouldn't be able to, you know, probably get it around a track without sticking it in the barrier. This is going to be something that's more approachable despite having all that performance? No, absolutely. It needs to be a car that is able to accommodate whatever mood you are in. <laughs> if you want to achieve Formula 4 type lap times, <laughs> you'll be able to do that. And if you wish to you know, push yourself and the, the boundaries of the car, I think that uh, it, it, you know, it will be capable of, of achieving you know, a phenomenal lap time. Yeah. But it's something that you will be able to build up to um, uh, you know, within your own constraints. But can you just tell us a bit more about where the project came out? Because obviously you did the Valkyrie with an yeah. Aston Martin. When did that kind of cut off 
point and when did this start blending in and what did you learn from that partnership experience well we learned alone? a huge amount i mean obviously we did all the design for for aston it was in in uh conjunction with aston martin so there were obviously always going to be constraints working with an oem and um obviously making a a road vehicle as opposed to a, a track only car so um and indeed we're still uh involved with the dvp process of of the aston on a or you know on a small scale um and we're very proud of that project and that is a you know such a cool and I, I believe will be an iconic car but this as the first red bull car um is the ultimate it's the extreme it's um it's adrian given a completely free reign uh to go and chase all all the performance uh that he can think of and uh, uh you know from what we've seen in the simulation world so far it is mind-boggling and what's what's the story behind that rb17 name then well, when we're thinking of a name for the car, I mean, you can think of all these di- different weird and wacky names. And you look at Greek mythology and all, all kinds of stuff. But when it looks at it, basically, we went through and we had, obviously, during COVID, Formula One carried over uh, the 2020 cars principally into 21. So we, I didn't feel that it warranted giving a new number to uh, the 2021 car. So we went from 16 to 16B. But then to stay consistent with our lineage of how many years we've been in formula one this year's car is the rb18 so the 17 was missing in the in the story and this car you know such as its performance fits into that and deserves that chassis plate so uh that's why it's become the rb17 and 50 cars five million quid uh expensive plus vat plus vat yeah yeah. but then how much money did Adrian want? How much does he need to build his ultimate car? Did you have to bring him down? Where did you get to the figure of five million? Is that to turn a profit? Well, the reality is Adrian has no idea of cost. He never, <laughs> he never has done. He doesn't even know where the finance department is in the in the business here. It's the one department he's probably never ever been to. Um, and uh, you know, as a creative guy, as a creative person, uh, we've just given him the freedom to create you know the ultimate vehicle. And you know, if we break even on this car will be very lucky um such is the technology that is going into it and obviously you've got a racing uh, background yourself are you going to be involved in the development of the car or are you going to leave it to the f1 drivers i think i'm going to leave most of it to the to the pro guys i did drive the valkyrie and i mean that's that's a hell of an experience that's a phenomenal car and i think this uh this track only car that we're developing here is going to be you know something to behold i think i'd rather drive it than be in the passenger seat but uh uh for sure max and 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 checo and you know our development drivers you know will be getting involved in this project but we've seen a few companies now chasing f1 performance and using drivetrains and techniques for the aston martin valkyrie the mercedes project one both of their ceos couldn't see the project through um (laughs) You, does that scare you or, you, or what's going to be different this time? I think we're in control of our own destiny with this project. And because, you know, we're used to building low volume amount of race cars here to build 50 cars, uh, you know, where we'll build about 15 a year um, from, you know, 25 onwards. Uh, it's not overstretching the organization. It's our DNA. It's what we know best. Uh, it's the technology that we'll be, you know, using. So it's not a it's not a volume car. It's not a production vehicle. It's still very much a handmade car um, using all the skill set that we that we know so well. 
And I know your job is is obviously to manage a team that makes cars go very, very fast around a racetrack. But you, on a personal level, is this your kind of car? I've I've read that you're sort of more into classics and you have a DB5 and a, and a Mini and stuff like that at home. So yeah. is that what you err towards more in your, in your personal Look, I, I love all vehicles. I, I'm a big fan of all different cars. So, you know, some of the 60s stuff is fun. The Mini, the Mini is unique because that was a... That was the Paul McCartney Mini, um, and uh, but I love the modern stuff as well. And uh, you know, this car, um, you know, from an experience point of view, is just going to be insane. Um, so you know, seeing that car come to life and what we've seen in the virtual world so far is is just phenomenal. Well, I'm looking forward to the um, the the trademark Red Bull marketing videos where you where you pull off these amazing stunts, whether it's you know uh, Max skidding around in the F1 car or indeed this RB17 racing against an actual F1 car. That's the film I want to see. Yeah, and um, what are Max and Checo's thoughts on the car? I think they're excited by it. I mean, they, they've seen the performance numbers. Um, whether they choose to buy one is perhaps, you know, drivers aren't known for putting their hand in their pocket, but... Uh, There's going to be some contract negotiations. Fr- friends and there. family discount, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, for sure, that you know, they're blown away by what, what, you know, the performance this vehicle is capable of. And, um, um, you know, I'm sure we'll be actively involved in, in the development of it. And it used to, the old adage used to be, uh, win on Sunday, um, sell on Monday is that how it goes that's right yeah, yeah. So that's it's right. quite tricky nowadays <laughs> is it, do you think that's still going to be the case here for this year uh, I'm we, we decided when we picked a number of 50 it was more what could we fit in production wise um, you know over a period of time that seemed that seemed sensible so I think yeah, these cars are going to be so unique. I think, you know, they're going to be sold, uh, you know, very, very quickly. Um, the difficulty is going to be is deciding who actually um, gets on the list to, to have one. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, which would be a nice problem to have. Your arm is going to be twisted quite heavily. Yeah, a few say. Chinese burns in the, in the pit lane. Just a quick word. And just a, just a brief word on time scale then. Yep. Um, obviously, um, Projects like this, they're so technically complicated yep. that they can often run over. But what's your what's your sort of ideal schedule at the moment for get, getting the first deliveries to customers? Well, we want to be delivering cars in 25, 2025. So we've got, you know, so a two-year development window. The car will be up and running within 12 months. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, because we're in control of it in our own you know kingdom as it were on on campus here um and the fact that it is a a track car as opposed to a production car um it is far more to the time scales that we that that we're used to um you know producing these formula one cars so uh so and adrian is incredibly impatient so he always wants everything yesterday so he's going to be pushing and driving that i'm sure be down in the machine shop wanting to see bits coming through and the powertrain is the, the 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 whole to kind of fill in here with with yeah. Red Bull, but in the press release it said it was a, a V8 hybrid engine, yeah. and then Adrian said it was a V8 twin turbo. Yeah, Could you just with, add off it's a V8 twin turbo with an element of hybridization okay. uh, on it, so uh, uh, and should be able to run on sustainable fuel as uh, as as well. So um, yeah, it's going to be 1100 horsepower, um, which should sound fantastic, um, and obviously is a key element of the vehicle. And it's going to be one we've just come off the back of Goodwood Festival of Speeds. Yeah. You may have seen 
the McMurtry, which yes. absolutely flew up. Yeah. Is this going to be able to compete with that? A tiny little Batmobile <laughs> I, boot? I've got no idea. I mean, I, I thought that video was in high speed uh, when I saw it for the first time. I mean, it was a, quite a feat, you know, to do that. But um, this, uh, whether it could achieve that kind of performance at that venue, I've got no idea. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, this is, this is chasing the big boy tracks, you know, yeah. the, the spas and the one, one, one for Goodwood twenty twenty five. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And how was Glastonbury? Glastonbury was great. Glastonbury was great. I mean, seeing seeing uh, McCartney, you know, aged eighty, aged eighty, I unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he was belting out the tunes. The the crowd was was phenomenal. Three and the, hours the, set, the, I think the it atmosphere was. was just incredible. It was a real privilege to be there and to see it. I'd like to see his reaction in the car. Get him in the passenger seat, <laughs> and then Max throw him around. He'll be you singing along yeah. to something else. Yeah. Could be the one you don't want to give. Paul I need to get back in his mini. You yes, know, exactly. Yes, he's exactly. not been in it since the sixties. So, uh, oh wow, yeah, it's been fully restored exactly as he had it. Oh, amazing! What was his thoughts on that? I haven't told him yet. Oh god, <laughs> there you go. That's an exclusive, Macker. If you're listening, there you go. Yeah, yeah, ready yeah. get in touch, Paul. If you if you're yeah. listening out there. All right. Well, thank you so much, Christian. Thanks for talking to us. We're um, I think we're going to get Adrian now. Yeah, for, but for a time. what an exciting car! There's yeah, so super, much super performance. Cool coming from everyone but this yeah could be a new benchmark when Adrian Newey is saying it's going to have substantial uh, performance gains over a Valkyrie you know you're into for something but great. Adrian what you have to remember is Adrian is very understated you know he's superstitious in so many ways that he will never talk anything up so when he says it's going to be in advance of you know the Valkyrie or Valkyrie Pro then then yeah. the numbers are going to be eye-watering big boy pants for anyone who has to drive <laughs> exactly. it for those or yeah, nappies so, yeah. 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 Or nappies. Yeah. nappies yeah brilliant okay adrian newey welcome to the top gear magazine podcast now we've just learned all about your new road car project the rb17 how on earth do you find time in your schedule to design a championship winning f1 car and then I don't know, evenings and weekends, you're designing a hypercar with F1 levels of performance. How'd you do it? Uh, probably by working too many hours is, is, <laughs> is the honest answer. Um, I mean, I'm my, my own worst enemy because I keep trying to promise myself, right, I'm going to take more days off, spend more time at home, quality of life, blah, 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 mm -hmm. um, and then go and uh, kind of get involved in something like this. Yeah. But I think from a stimulation side, then I've, I love, have loved my career in Formula One. I continue to do so. But it's also great to be involved in other things and to, to be stimulated by other things. And, and this is exactly that. And the last big project uh, in this domain that we had you involved with was the Valkyrie. Where does this take where does this elevate to and were you satisfied with the valkyrie project or were you still left wanting more is that why you've picked up and, and done this well, the valkyrie project started in 2014 um uh, for exactly the same reasons as i've just described that kind of at that stage i was we were not as comp fully competitive our power unit was a bit behind and it was difficult to see how we could be and so kind of i was struggling if i'm honest a little bit with motivation in formula one um, uh, and the Valkyrie project was something that then kind of as an outlet it, it fulfilled my kind of boyhood fascination with road cars as well as racing cars um, and it was, it, was a, it was a great project to be involved in it was in the end of, it started as an internal project um, which then we partnered with Aston obviously to, to turn it into fruition 
which was by nature of it being a partnership, it's different. You're not fully in control. I'm not saying it's better or worse. It's just different. And um, this time around, we we're now in the position where Red Bull Advanced Technologies has 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 reached maturity to the point that we can do it in completely internally in terms of not only the research and design, but also the manufacturing development. And and that is it's a new kind of it takes it to the same as we do in Formula One, where obviously we the follow the project through completely. Um, with Valkyrie, we weren't able to do that. And and um, so you, you you've been talking outside. We've just been in a press conference where we learned literally minutes ago about the the existence of this um, project, and you're saying that this will be faster, even in terms of lap times, than the Valkyrie AMR Pro. So that car was originally sort of conceived as a as a car to win. Le Mans, but obviously then it became just a, a, a track-only hypercar. Now, my tiny little brain cannot get itself around how you can go significantly faster than the AMR Pro, which is, you know, 1,100 horse, 1,000 horsepower, lots and lots of downforce. So what's the, what's the trick? What kind of tricks have you got up your sleeve? Is this the, is this the fan car that you teased with the, with the X1 PlayStation concept? No, I mean, uh, the one thing I can say is it's not a fan car. Mm. I think fan cars are great for creating very low-speed downforce, of course. Um, but they do have a lot of drawbacks. One of them, as as was found with the original Chaparral of the 70s, is that if you're behind it, then every stone and piece of dust is thrown at the car following, which kind of, if you've got more than one car on track, is, is not terribly sociable. Mm-hmm. Um, it... It also d- relies on a, a very well-sealed skirt system, which, again, is not necessarily practical. So we've avoided that route. Um, but to answer your question, how do, we, how do we get the performance? Well, it's compared to a Formula 1 car, which is what we're trying to achieve, similar Formula, Formula 1 levels of performance, then the, the first big problem, of course, is that it's now carrying two people sitting roughly side by side, um, and that inevitably makes the chassis heavier. It, it makes the, the chassis wider, which compromises the aerodynamics. So you're on the back foot at that at, on the onset. It's then how do you go about mitigating against that to get the performance back to Formula One levels? And probably the singest, biggest enemy there is weight. Um, so we are working hard on keeping the, the weight as low as we possibly can. Um, Formula One is now more or less 800 kilos, including driver. We will be a reasonable amount more than that, which then means we have to, to kind of mitigate, mitigate against that. We need more power. We, we need more downforce. Um, and by a reasonable margin, because, of course, the tyres don't get a lot bigger, so you, you have to kind of make up for that. Taking it back slightly, because in 2010, when you did the... Um x1 x2010 concepts now because it's not the bmw small small crossover was that your idea of the dream car was that casanori's kind of open book and then you had to play with that or to, to get the ultimate performance was it that packaging of you know small v6 twin turbo lightweight fan car or would you have done it slightly different is that adrian newey's you know ideal performance car or is this rb17 well actually the the the, the um that what became the X1 was started off when gone, went skiing over Christmas that year, and it was a 
poor year for snow. So I got a bit bored and started sketching <laughs> something. <laughs> I go, I go to the bar. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, so the initial concept was was not for a V6 twin turbo. It was for a gas turbine, ah. um, which would then also drive the fan, of course. So and it, then then um, kind of the conversation started with PlayStation, and, and we evolved it from there. Okay. Interesting. Okay, and just a bit more on the the powertrain here. So um, uh, Christian clarified it's a, a twin turbo V8 with some hybrid assistance, eleven hundred horsepower. Um, where are you going to get this engine from? You're going to you're going to build it and design it in house. And also, why why go for a twin turbo V8? You know, the Valkyrie famously has this screaming high revving V12, which is a really important part of its character, but. Just interested to know more about your powertrain choices. The powertrain choice really came out of the performance target. So, um, for, well, the kind of rough order, of, if you like, is is set the target, which, as I said, is two people in a Formula One levels of performance. Um, you then start to set out the the packaging side of that. So you've now got two people sitting side by side you've got a fuel tank behind that you've got an engine behind that an ERS system and a gearbox and then you have to achieve the weight distribution that you'd like so that then positions your wheels your wheelbase um, within that you have to look at the power units as we said a V12 is it has the the upside is um, being naturally aspirated instant torque and a great noise the downside is it's long and it's a bit heavier than a twin turbo of similar weight. Not hugely by the time you put the intercools and stuff in, but it's a bit heavier. So because we were chasing performance and um, we, we, we looked at, okay, what power do we need to get the lap times through simulation, which came out at, as I say, somewhere around 1,100 horsepower. Plus the plus the ERS system, and then you look at okay to produce that. What's the most efficient engine configuration in terms of weight, um, length, etc.? And that really came down to to being either a V6 or a V8 twin turbo uh, for kind of in terms of make, making the engine a little bit lazier and not overstressed. Then then we went V8, and uh, we're seeing. You think you know you're seeing whatever's happening with legislation is ever going to small EVs, and that's what we're told. We're seeing faster cars than ever since uh, you know the PlayStation car, especially. You've got Bugatti Belide, Project One, Valkyrie, but we've also get we have just come off the back of the the Festival of Speed, the McMurtry, which has kind of changed the game and come out of nowhere. That is quicker than you know the F1 record holder up the hill. I was just wondering what your thoughts and seeing a car like that and uh, the the technology there and the change of pace. Yeah, I mean, it's it's great to have, see a little car like that kind of um, doing what it's done. It's obviously, I think if you took that to a, a longer, bigger circuit, then it, would, it wouldn't have that benefit. Kind of, as we said before, the, the big advantage of a fan is creating a lot of downforce at very low speeds, which is the Goodwood Hell Climb. Um, but it's, I think we haven't particularly, if I'm honest, rightly or wrongly and this might sound arrogant but we we haven't really looked at other track cars we've looked at what we do in formula one and then tried to reapply that to a two-seat car 
And what about the styling of this car? So, so you know, you you talk. I love the way that it all starts from a clean sheet, and you build up this package, and you choose the most appropriate power unit, and then you got to clothe this thing. So, you know, if someone's going to spend five million quid on one of these, you know, it needs to be an attractive object. You know, something they want to show off to their friends. So, um, it, how important is the way that the car looks, or for you, is it purely about aerodynamic surfaces, and that's it? No, I, th- I think the styling of the car is very important. It it has to be, for me, the the first and foremost attribute of the car has to be the driving experience, the, 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 the opportunity for owners to be able to effectively drive it as fast as they wish to. So we will develop the car with different modes. So the, the ultimate performance mode, say, with the right hands, will be circa Formula 1 lap times. But... Um, you don't have to drive it that fast and you can drive it in settings that will be don't need Formula 1 reaction times. Um, but either way, it'll be a very exhilarating car to drive. And I think when you, when you drive cars as fast as that, then they are. You do, you do come out, come with, you jump out of the car buzzing. Yeah. Um, so that, of course, is the first and foremost target. The second one, though, has to be that the car looks great. I, I'm lucky enough to have a few classic cars at home and I do enjoy just going in and, and looking at them. It's I think um, cars, for me, can be art and I hope that this one will be considered as a, a great piece of art, not a, um, not a bit of a kind of awkward one. Yeah, well, interesting. You, you've revealed not the, the final design of the car, but a, quite an interesting sketch that we saw earlier that shows this sort of closed canopy and these big pronounced... Um, wheel arches so is it going to be um you know the valkyrie road car is is, is much simpler surfacing and uh, more slippery looking whereas the amr pro is all wings and splitters and diffusers um is this going to have a lot of aero devices bolted onto it uh it will have a lot of aero devices i hope they won't look bolted on <laughs> I hope they'll look integrated um but yes of course to create the sort of downforce that we're talking about then then it you can't really keep it simple. It has to become more complicated. And I, I think this is obviously where kind of it's the old thing of art is in the eye of the beholder. So it's whether you consider, a, for instance, a current Formula One car to be um, an ugly duckling or or actually quite beautiful because of its intricacy. That That is something that will vary depending on the person. Christian says that you don't know where the finance department is. When you were given the budget for the car, were you like, that, that's not enough? How much do you need or do you feel stretched um, to try and get it to this price point? Well, I'm afraid we did it the other way around, actually, which was um, came up with a, a kind of a spec list of what we wanted. Um, so the in terms of construction techniques, etc. So you, you've, sorry, I've put it poorly. There are two main constituent parts that make up the price. One is the bill of materials, in other words, all the parts that go into making the car. And then the other is the um, research, design and development, so testing of the car. You, the, you, you morph the latter over the 50 cars or so that we make, um, plus your bill of materials, and that brings a, a, a break-even price. The big variable there actually is the bill of materials so you could build a car relatively cheaply lower bill of materials but less performance 
we did it as okay we, we want to put all the things that we've learned in formula one into this car we don't want to compromise on the construction techniques so therefore the bill of materials will be what it becomes you then put in the the other bits and you come to that number of five million which I still can't say with a straight face. It seems, <laughs> <laughs> it seems a ridiculously high number, but what I you didn't see was Adrian squirm in his seat yeah, there yeah, slightly yeah, as you said five no, million. I, I still don't feel comfortable that number, but as I say, it's come the other way around. Where to build a car to this level of construction technique, the bill of materials is actually very high, and um, so it's in that sense we've come up with a kind of this is how we want to build it give them to the finance department and they've come back with a number but with the with the rb001 they then turned in some of that technology and uh craftsmanship then went into rb003 which was then valhalla could this be transferable some of the technology and performance that we're going to see to a slightly lower price point do you think is it going to move the game on and kind of democratize this kind of effort well we're i mean we're building 50 cars um plus the prototypes Normally in a Formula 1 season, we build about four monocoques and then by the time we've taken all the consumables through accident damage, etc., and lifing, then you're building rather more than that in terms of spares or other components. Um, if we're now building 50 cars over four years, so um, 12-odd cars a year, then it's, it's obviously three times more than normal but it's not a different order. So we will be building these cars in the same way that we build the Formula 1 cars. To lower the price point for some future project, you've then got to go into production engineering, which we're not doing this car because it's a very low-volume car. Um, will what we learn on this be applied to something in the future? At this point, I can't say. Uh, we as a company, Red Bull Advanced Technologies, are not ready to take on a, a more a higher volume if you like more mainstream car um whether we will be in the future i really can't say if, if you'd asked me 10 years ago we'd, we'd be doing this and say we'd be dreaming so things change things move on and they've made no bones about it the valkyrie project and the amg project one have been headaches to try and make that packaging and get this kind of performance are you worried about this being a bit of a headache at times as well any anything that pushes the envelope is always going to be a headache that's the nature the nature of the beast um i think the thing for us about this project is that we are doing it start to finish so we have complete control of our own destiny um partnerships by their nature kind of then it you you end up you can end up kind of betwixt and between and they can work very well um you know i i think it's it's just the lack of ability to follow it through and with this we can plan everything ourselves we we will be masters of our own destiny hopefully that destiny will work out well because we're doing things or we will be doing things in very similar manners to how we operate the formula one car and obviously formula one is a, a relentless thing where every 12 months you're producing more or less brand new car and you have to you have a couple of test weeks and then you're off to the first race and you need to be reliable from that first race and i think it, we will be trying to 
apply that same philosophy and planning structure into this. Are you still exchanging Christmas cards with Aston Martin? I mean, Aston Martin is a great company. Um, you know, it is a fascinating project to be involved in, but but times and things move on. Um, I just just finally, have you put any thought into um, the the sort of ownership experience of this car? You know, um, it's clearly not going to be here's here's a check and and we'll drop it off drop it off on your front drive. Um, will there be a one make series, or will there be special track days or special um, you know lessons for the for the uh, owners to learn how to drive their cars properly? Have you have you thought that far ahead yet? We're starting to have those conversations. Um, have we planned it in detail? No, we haven't. And I think uh, we'll also, obviously, uh, today is just kind of a launch. We'll, we'll now see who's interested, and then we'll start to talk to those people and get their feedback of what they would like, because it's, it's such a small group that we, we can do that. Um, I think we will, I would imagine we will be organizing events um in different countries well first of all we've got to understand the demographic of of where are these cars going to end up um what do people want to do with them do they want to run them at their home circuit you've got more and more of these golf club style circuits cropping up and i think they will becoming increasingly popular as it becomes as, as cars become more and more performance and at the same time Roads become more and more restrictive in terms of speed limits and cameras and so on and so forth. Um, then it will be more and more that if you really want to enjoy your car, you need to take it to a circuit. And then this golf club type style model, I think, works extremely well. So we will try to kind of, as I say, listen to the customer um, or our clients, and and. I think organize events, I'm guessing in Europe, in North America, maybe the Middle East. Um, and, and then also consider once we know where the cars are ending up, how we then go about supporting them in terms of service and, and running and so forth. Cool. Well, consider us in when you get around to uh, pulling together those events. It's such an exciting car. It is. But what size do you have to be to be in it? Because just because you've got lots of money may not make you look like a racing driver to get in. Say if I was had a slightly uh, bigger waistline to match my wallet, uh, would I be able to, to drive it? And would you need a, like, a minimum ability to get... I know you said there's different modes and stuff, but would you recommend someone's done racing or would it be anyone who's got a driving license will be able to hop in this thing and be able to drive it? Okay, taking the first question of size and girth, then <laughs> or height and girth, I should say, then I think height-wise we're, we're trying to sort of design it um, for tall people in mind because there are a lot of tall people around increasingly um width then that there's a total width in the cabin how you so what you wouldn't get is two fairly broad people in side by side but you could get one broad and one narrow and how you kind of which one which one takes the greater width is, is, is down to, down <laughs> bust to you. the sides of the monocoque just to get them in yeah yes yeah, yeah, exactly. slip them in um uh, so i, I think we, re, we we now have an interior mock-up, and we can invite people to come and come and sit in it, and, and then the divider between the the passenger seat and the driver's seat can be adjusted to suit. That's that's easy enough. Um, Don't worry, Ryan. I think you and I will 
fit in it. You're quite, no, you're yeah. quite narrow. They've also got five years to diet, so they can get their personal trainer <laughs> yeah, in as well to try and to get, to get get down to weight, yeah. get to race weight. Yeah, exactly. That's the easiest way to reduce the overall weight of the car. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then a kind of ability, I think, yes, you really want to try to get some track experience, but just jumping this, having only ever driven up the, around the M25 might be a bit adventurous. Um, but I think, yeah, I didn't start drive, driving on a racetrack until I was probably into my, yeah, into my 40s. Um, and it's with a, a bit of aptitude and, and work, then people can get to a basic level like any sport. You know, people taking up golf or tennis when they're, they're kind of in their forties or fifties or whatever. It's, it's the same thing. You're almost certain you won't ever get to professional level, but you can get to a level where you can enjoy yourself. And I'm sure it's a bit easier than, um, a sliding GT 40, which you had to deal with when you, <laughs> when you were doing it. So yeah, it's just, everyone needs to hold on and just be brave. I think, I think brave is key in this, uh, in this car. Exactly. Well, Adrian, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for talking to us and uh, telling us about this project. And we can't, wait to sort of stay in touch as it as it progresses and 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 the spec gets uh, more and more nailed down so i think we've got some exciting years ahead of us as we as we this story unfolds yeah massively fast car so no thank you no it's it's uh thank you for the your time and it's i think uh hopefully it'll be a it'll be something that kind of ups the ante a little bit and is and maybe maybe these owners will um offer some passenger rides to <laughs> to uh, members of top gear yeah and then we'll boot them out and shuffle across to the driver's seat but um actually christian did say you were famously understated so um your your final comment there is is absolutely perfect because i think um i think this is going to be more spectacular than you're than you're letting on let's hope so and for all the right reasons Whew, quite a lot to take in there my head is uh, kind of spinning oh, i need to that. ice down my brain i think <laughs> There is a lot to digest there, and we still don't have all the details. No, we've got we've got just some headline details and a lot of uh, insight and thought from the enormous brain that belongs to Adrian Newey. That was really special, actually, spending that time with him, just being in his presence, because the way that he answers questions, it's so calm and calculated, and he explains his process so beautifully. You know, why did you choose a V8 twin turbo, Adrian? Um, not because it sounds good or, or for any reasons, it's because it just fits his package perfectly it, it's, it's like he's actually thought about yeah, it yeah it's beautifully logical isn't it um have you got any you got any worries about it uh i don't well my main worry is who's going to be able to drive it to actually get that performance i think it's going to be pretty mad if i'm honest no matter what they do my main concern is how many more clean sheets of paper can they give adrian newey to do bananas performance cars because like we said back then it was you know first done in 2010 but the game has just changed uh, but this is this going to be the fastest track well, car he, that from something like this ever? He I don't claims know. it's going to be significantly faster than the Valkyrie AMR Pro. Now, if you haven't looked at that car, go and Google it immediately because it is an absolutely bonkers, low-slung, everything carbon fibre, super high downforce. It's a Le Mans car. It's basically, Le, it's a, Le basically car. a Le Mans car that you can drive at your local track day. And he thinks this is going to be significantly faster. I, we were trying to get out of him. How? How, Adrian? You know, it's not going to be a fan car. It's going to have you know conventional ground effect aerodynamics look I, i'm you can't put anything past this man he's an absolute genius but um 
Yeah, I think there's going to be some headaches along the way. No, but the fact that I could be a billionaire who's made loads of money selling cable ties or milk or something, and I can just go and buy this car, go to Spa and try and set a lap record in it well, is bananas. Try and set a lap record bin it into the first barrier that you see. Yeah, the, uh, the accident that you could have in this thing is, is huge, but it's going to be such a journey to follow its process. We had it with Valkyrie, some interesting comments about that and the partnership, I thought, um, could be slightly salty. I don't know. This, it feels like this could be a, well, all right, let's see what happens when you leave us to our own devices. But I did enjoy your question about uh, Christmas cards and Aston Martin, which he dodged very professionally, I dodged thought. Dodged very, very, very professionally. But the... Um, you know, when you do have the current championship leader of the F1 uh, championship designing a road car, well, not a road car, a track-only car, something any Billy can drive or buy is is, is a good thing, I think. Yeah, and another hypercar project to, for us to to follow from beginning to end, because as we said in the interview, you know, Project One, Valkyrie, all of these cars, Gordon Murray T50, the process, the development process is quite stretched out. They are quite complicated. They take a lot of time. They tend to be delayed. So I've got a feeling we're going to be talking about the RB17 for quite a few years to come. But hey, what a time to be alive. Eh? What a time to be alive and what a time to announce it just before a potential recession. But there's always <laughs> more money in the world. It feels like it feels like there's infinite money for people to keep on buying five million quid plus cars. Yeah. Remember when the Veyron came out and says, oh, it's a million quid. I was like, gasping. Yeah. That's now just the, you know, the price for, for the, the speakers in one of these hypercars, it feels like. But performance is getting out of this world. Um, I'm not sure if our brains are going to be able to keep up. No, well... Um, Thank you for listening, guys. Uh, I hope that was interesting. Uh, make sure you check out topgear.com for the full story, loads more details about the car, and to follow the project as it proceeds. Yeah, remember to subscribe to all our channels, our YouTube channel. As soon as we get the ability to do something on video with this car, we will be there to do it. But there's smaller updates on Instagram, on Twitter, and on TikTok as well now. So yeah, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Cheers, guys. See you next week.